Jeremy, you going to be back I in time that. where you could meet us at the gym at 5 in the morning? Hey, I would, but I don't want to. <laughs> you have to speak in third person. Spencer thinks this is yes. ridiculous. Yes. We love a good Twitter mob. Well, thanks for making me feel really bad to start this interview. I appreciate it. He's a peacock. He's got to fly. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. ESPN College Football Insider and Analyst 1984 BYU National Champion Trevor Maddich for another Maddich Monday. Trevor, great to have you with us. I know it's been six days since BYU dominated UCF in the Boca Raton Bowl, but six days later, what do you think of BYU's performance to close out an 11-1 season? It was a dominant performance, and it was exactly what you'd expect of this team. A lot of people thought BYU might be deflated because of that big loss to Coastal Carolina that that kept them from having their perfect season. But rather than be deflated, they came out and wanted to showcase what they could do in their final opportunity, and they played to the limits of their abilities, man. It was fantastic. We were talking about some of the biggest surprises of the season. What was the biggest surprise in your mind, Trevor? The biggest surprise in my mind, I think, is how well the defense played. I thought the defense would be good, but I love the way they put together their linebackers and safeties. This team is largely interchangeable at linebacker and safety, not completely, but pretty close, which gives the coaches a lot of flexibility in terms of designing pressures and coverages without having to change personnel groups. And we've seen over the course of the season that that severely messed up some really good quarterbacks and really good offenses, including UCF in the bowl game. So I I thought this defense would be good, but I love the creativity that turned it into an outstanding defense. Trevor, it's pretty remarkable that BYU is now in position to maybe finish in the AP top 10 when the final rankings are released. Thanks in part to Coastal Carolina losing to Liberty and some other attrition that will happen. Is it your opinion that BYU will finish in the AP top 10 and they do they deserve that? Well, they very well could. And do they deserve it? I think they absolutely deserve it. I think they've been a top 10 caliber team all season long. And they do need some help up, up ahead of them, but they've done everything they can do. And one of the things that we've got here is recency bias, right? Where the last thing that voters see is the thing that tends to be the strongest in their minds. And the last thing they saw from BYU was the BYU that dominated, had fun, danced on the sideline, danced after the game. That's that fun BYU that everyone fell in love with, and that's the last thing that the voters got to see. Trevor, how would you summarize what we saw this year? Because uh, for me, it was gratitude and special and fun, like you talked about. Because there was a point where we didn't know if BYU would play at all. Then they're the highest-ranked team in the West and finishes 11-1. and one. It, it was a magical season. How would you summarize what we saw? I think magical is a good word. I think that because of everything that they went through this season with COVID, and, and by the way, they had their issues with COVID just as a private university. They didn't always publicize everything. They just followed COVID protocols and did things the right way, but they struggled with it like other teams did. And then to put together this season to dominate the way they did, to come one yard short of perfection. I think when you put it all together, this BYU team should be respected as highly as any team in the history of this program, and that includes the national championship year. What they have overcome this year, no other team in BYU history has ever had to even confront, much less excel and then dominate over the course of something like this. And so I see this season as being as special as any that I've ever seen at BYU. 
Wow, significant praise from ESPN's Trevor Maddich on BYU Sports Nation. One of your former ESPN colleagues, Brett McMurphy, joked after Liberty beat Coastal Carolina, when's the BYU Liberty Bowl game? Trevor, with that in mind, who's the best possible bowl opponent if BYU were to play a second bowl game in 2020? Alabama. Bring them on. We want Bama. That Liberty Coastal Carolina game was phenomenal. And Liberty would have been a great bowl game, or excuse me, a great game for BYU anyway. But since BYU will play anybody anytime, as they proved, by saddling up and heading on out to South Carolina at the last minute, uh, I think they should be able to play a second bowl game, don't you? I think Army still needs an opponent. Play them. That's only half. That would be fun, right? Yeah, exactly. Cool. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they would do that, but. That would be fun. That would be fun. Okay, Zach Wilson's ascension from preseason, although we didn't feel this way. Some people thought there was a quarterback battle uh, with with Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney. Jaron Hall doesn't play at all this year, and Baylor Romney was the backup. Um, To maybe the second pick in the draft to the Jets, uh, Trevor, how, how would you summarize what Zach Wilson did, and do you expect him to be the second pick in the NFL draft? Uh, I'm not sure exactly where he'll be drafted. I, I imagine in the first half of the first round. But what he did was live up to everything that I'm sure he hoped he'd be able to do. Certainly everything that BYU fans had hoped he'd be able to do. He was hurt the first two years for parts of those years. And, and that slowed, slowed him down, not just in those seasons, but also in preparation for the following season. Then this year, no spring, basically. And, and summer camp was weird because of COVID. He couldn't throw with his receivers as much as he would have wanted to in July. All those different things slowed down, or it seemed like they may slow down his progress, but all he did was step up and have this magical season. The thing about the NFL is that when they look at a quarterback, they look at his accuracy and his arm strength as merely the price of admission. If you can throw the ball with an NFL-caliber arm, that's mildly interesting if you don't have the other side, and that's the mental side. Because in college, a quarterback is largely a running back with an arm. In the NFL, a quarterback is largely a a Rhodes Scholar with an arm. And Zach Wilson is famous for being a PhD in the study of this game. He's not just a gym rat or a practice guy. He's a guy that loves film study. He loves to know what defenses are doing. And in the interview process in the draft, he will shine as well as any quarterback that the NFL scouts will interview this year. And that includes Trevor Lawrence. And I think that what that's what will elevate him above other quarterbacks because he has put in the work to learn the academic side of quarterbacking that you need to know in order to succeed in the NFL. We're obviously very excited to see where Zach lands in the NFL. The college football playoff semifinalists will also have a number of men that land in the NFL, so let's go there. Of the final four, Trevor, if, if not Alabama or Clemson, would Ohio State or Notre Dame be the more likely shocker to get into the national championship game? Uh, I, I think Ohio State would be more of the shocker. They have had tremendous issues with COVID. You know, they played their last game, the, the Big Ten championship game, with about 20 guys not available, part COVID, part uh, contact tracing, part injury. And so they've not really been able to come together this season and really gel. Keep in mind also that they started very late and they only played six games, famously. Davo Sweeney of Clemson has never let us forget that they only played six games. But part of the problem with that is that they, they don't have that time for everything to get into a great rhythm. And now they've got to play against teams that did have time for everything to get into a great rhythm. And so that's why I think Ohio State would be the bigger shocker if they're able to get 
to the final. Trevor, we've enjoyed your coverage. You've been working basically every day to work us through this bowl game season. So uh, rest up. We'll be watching. Thanks, man. Thanks. I appreciate it. And uh, Spencer, it's, it's interesting that Jerem was the only one that got the memo that today is Key Lime Hoodie Day. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll pay better attention next time. Thanks, Trevor. <laughs> Trevor Maddich on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Before each college football season kicks off, we make our BYU season projections very public on this show. Well, it's now the day of reckoning for those picks. Who deserves the title of BYUSN Oracle after an unprecedented 2020 season? <sighs> well, it's problematic, right? Because COVID, uh, we didn't know how many games at the time. We didn't know that Matt Bushman would get hurt when we made these picks. Um, and we added Blaine Fowler into the mix. So these are certainly a little different than what we normally do. Let's do this. Our first projection answered the following question. How many games will BYU play this season? (laughs) Yeah, I thought there would be fewer um, or more games canceled. There was only one, just Army, uh, who didn't want smoke. Should we go there again? Um, And then you said 10. Blaine said 12. He nailed it. You got it. 12 games. Blaine Fowler takes that first projection. Okay, second one. Uh, what would the BYU win percentage be? We did this because we didn't know how many games would happen. You said 75% or better. I said 77%. I, I expected 7-2. and two. Okay. Blaine said 11-1, and one, bro. What? 91.6. He nailed it again. What? Wow. Blaine Fowler, 2-2. Two 11-1. Two. Do you remember our reaction to that? In we fact, were like, what? You handed no him way. both pairs of big blue goggles over there. Like, put these on. <laughs> Let's go. Hey, hey credit to Blaine. I didn't know it'd be full of Texas State and Troy and La Tech. You know what I mean? No, but BYU was better than any everybody but Blaine thought, right? 11-1? and one, That was crazy. Outstanding. Projection number three. How many different quarterbacks will start games this season? Oh, we uh, – oh, This has been I, a thing I, because I, B, BYU typically right? started multiple guys. They started three last year. Um Blaine and I said two. You said one. Yes. Um, and what a blessing that was. Really football, right? Hashtag blessed that there were no injuries to Zach Wilson. And that's a big part of why this happened. Crazy. BYU has its starter who's healthy and an upperclassman and a third-year starter, and he doesn't get hurt, and BYU's good. Oh, crazy. What a just insane idea. Yeah, first time since 2013, the same quarterback started every game of the season. And, and Taysom Hill's a sophomore that year. He's uh, starting his third game through, like, 15th game. He rushes for, like, 1,500 yards uh, or 1,300 yards or whatever. And uh, he plays seven power fives. So if he plays four <laughs> power fives, he's probably winning 10 games that year. That's crazy. Okay, so you got that one. Who will be the second leading receiver for BYU in yards this season? Now, this is interesting. This was pre-Matt Bushman injury, but we all got it. We all said Gunnar Romney. I think we all thought that Matt Bushman would lead BYU for mm-hmm. a fourth straight year. It was Dax Milne who did, um, and we all got it with Gunnar Romney as the number two by accident. How dare I pick against Dax Milne? I, oh my I, I, of all people, should know better, you right? 
pick multiple people, I guess, <laughs> right? All right, up next, who will lead BYU in receiving touchdowns? Well, I got the message, Jerem, and I did pick Dax Milne here, uh, but he wasn't even the guy. He wasn't the guy. It was Isaac Rex with 12. What a year. What I mean, this is the best freshman receiving year for touchdowns ever, right? Who's Who's been better than this? No one, right? No. Um, Isaac Rex. I think it was the, the record uh, for a freshman at BYU. I said Neil Powell, Blaine said Matt Bushman. Again, this was pre-Achilles injury for Matt. But, yeah, Isaac Rex with 12, Dax Milne with 8, Neil Powell with 4, Lopini Kato with 3. Gunnar Romney only has 2. You called him the master of the what, – what did you say, the exact phrase? Oh, between he's the, the best receiver in college football between the twos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Gunnar, he'll get – okay, I talked to Byron Rex at length after the game. Uh, Isaac's dad, of course, All-American tight end who played for BYU. He said, we feel so bad for – for Dax and Gunner, they do all the work getting there, and then Isaac catches the touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, that's funny. Next one. Who will lead the team in rushing yards? Now, um, you and I said Lopini Katoa. Blaine said Tyler Algier, and he was right because Blaine uh, Tyler was incredible. This was, um, you could argue, one of the top rushing, you know, well, it just was, one of the top rushing years for a BYU running back ever. It's 11 games. Tyler Algier gets to 1130 yards. Um, if he plays another game, he's probably getting to 1300. And he, he has the second highest yard per attempt of anybody not named Luke Staley. Um, well, most of anybody other not than named Luke, Luke Staley. Staley yeah. One. yeah. So pretty notable. Lopini Katoa playing second fiddle there, ha- about half the attempts, a little less than half the yards, uh, 5.3 a carry. Oh, by the way, Zach Wilson, and we'll get to this in the next one, a lot of rushing touchdowns this year. Pretty good. 10. Ten of them. That's right. So, yeah, who will lead the team in rushing touchdowns? I said Tyler Algier would do it because of his physical nature. I didn't expect him to rush for over 1,000 yards, but I thought he'd get a lot of those goal line carries just because he's bigger than Lopini Katoa. So, yeah, so Blaine and I take the point there. Tyler Algier with 13 touchdowns, but Zach Wilson, Jeremy, as you just mentioned, 10 rushing touchdowns? Wow. That was a lot, and Lopini Katoa had five, but Tyler Algier was the real breakout star running the ball this year. Um, Zach with a lot of keepers in in the red zone, which is pretty awesome. Part of his 43 touchdown year, 33 and 10. Tyler Algier, 13 touchdowns, so he had more than a touchdown a game, which was pretty awesome. And again, this was a top 10 offense, uh, top 10 in, in uh, points and yards. So yeah, you're going to have some uh, really distinct and elite numbers here. And Lopini Katoa came into the year 13 rushes per touchdown, which is pretty high. But again, he played uh, second fiddle to Tyler Algier. And I think that was a good combination. Tyler Algier is a really good running back. And those two together form a nice pair, which guess what? They're back they're, for another They're both year, coming back. Tyler's yeah. only a sophomore. Incredible. Yeah. They're both back. That'll help whoever the quarterback is. Exactly. And, and which, by the way, we'll get to that later. And we have plenty of time. I can't tell you who the quarterback's going to be. Because what if Jaron Hall's healthy? He's totally in the mix with Baylor Romney and Jacob Conover. I know Dave McCann's acting like it's Dave, uh, you know, Jacob Conover right now, but uh, I think it's going to be a fun race for that. We'll see who it is. Okay, who will lead the team in interceptions? Uh, you said Zane Anderson. I said Peyton Wilgar, who did it last year. Blaine said Isaiah Kafusi. All wrong. It was Troy Warner with a grand total of two. Yeah. Teams did not test BYU down the field very much. They just didn't. And uh, 
Isaiah Kafusi, Max Tuli, Malik Moore, Caleb Christian, Drew Jensen, Jerry Capisi, they all had one. Zane um, had his high... in the Zane had his in the bowl game, but it called, got called back because of a penalty. Yes, he totally grabbed that ball, and and uh, it was a totally unnecessary pass interference. Was it Micah Harper on that one too? <laughs> yeah. I think. And Micah dropped one that we thought would have been one and would have added to it. Drew Jensen had one go through his hands against UCF as well, so could have been a could have been a, a big day. This wasn't the linebacker intercepting everything like last year's season. This was a little bit different. Okay, but how about how about Troy? By the way, he has zero in three years, and then he leads the team, albeit and with two. two. Uh, his senior year. We gave In back-to-back a, games. We gave him a heavy dose of the BYU Sports Nation karma for that, Jeremy. Very specifically. So heavy. There you go. Who will lead the BYU Cougars in sacks? Isaiah Kafusi and Tyler Batty both had four. I picked Isaiah Kafusi. You got it with uh, with four. So how about that? Tyler Batty had three in one game uh, and then got hurt, didn't play the last like eight or nine games. Or he's George probably Udo the guy that a, leads the team, right? Probably. Um, you just need to have like one more, right? He'd... Oh, okay. Now this was a, you did pick Isaiah. He did lead. We're forgetting Tyler tied for the lead. Let's not leave that detail. Okay. Out. Yeah. Uh, tied. Kyrus Tonga, two and a half sacks. I would have hoped that Kyrus probably had a little more. Um, I know his role is, is unique and different. Um, Zach Daw had a tremendous game against Houston and a couple of sacks as well, but yeah, four is kind of low for the leader. I would hope that BYU could develop, a DN that's getting more of the six to eight range at some point. All right. On to now the special teams, Jerem. Longest punt this season. Um, you said 65. I said 64. Blaine said 71. Ryan Rico's <laughs> longest punt was 61 yards. So I'm closest to the pin. I get this okay. one. Um, I, I think that honestly he could boot it further, but it has a lot to do with hang time and getting down there. I don't think that that is his full, extension of yards yeah I think also we'll also reps how many times did he even punt it was a he rare like it was a rare occasion <laughs> yeah Just, yeah okay longest field goal made this season uh jerem and blaine both get this one they split the difference uh you said 55 blaine said 53 yards i went with 52 it was a 54 yarder that uh, he did topped the charts. he did it twice that's yeah. crazy okay okay and bold projection we all said the national championship get no you said the Holiday Bowl, which is canceled. I said the Vegas Bowl, which was canceled. Blaine said the Cotton Bowl, which was canceled once BYU lost to Coastal Carolina. <laughs> um, poor BYU. Obviously, Boca Raton Bowl. So final tally, Blaine six, Spencer four, and I had three. So, yeah, we just totally – COVID, Matt Bushman injury, just unexpected. I love doing this because it never turns out like what you think. Never, ever, ever. Yeah, always fun to go back and look at this. But for now, Blaine Fowler takes the title yeah. of Oracle. That's – that's why he's been 30 years, uh, here 30 years, and you and I have been here like 74. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. All right, last week, and I even hate to bring this up, mention his name, give him more pub, because I kind of feel like that's what he wanted to begin with. Uh, last week, a writer by the name of Charlie Campbell, who is a senior draft analyst at WalterFootball.com, and let me answer that question, no, I've never heard of him either, uh, put out a piece about Zach Wilson's draft prospects with the following quote from an unnamed NFC director of football operations. Here is the quote. 
Wilson has character concerns. Rich kid who is an entitled brat. Uncle owns JetBlue. Parents are a pain. Not a leader. Selfish. And he's a know-it-all. End quote. As you can imagine, that did not go over well in BYU circles. So, Jerem, what do you make of the questioning of Zach Wilson's character by an anonymous NFL scout and then the many that came to his defense immediately after? There must needs be an opposition in all things, right? If Zach Wilson is projected as high as two, he's going to get picked at. And this is why he should leave now, because he'll get picked at even more next year on the field, let alone off it. Okay, let's break down what is said here. Okay, rich kid. Yes, he's a rich kid. Entitled brat. I I don't think so. I, I think maybe when he was younger, he had that perception. But now, I think he has a really good attitude. All of my conversations with Zach have been really productive, positive, efficient. I've learned a ton. He's very down-to-earth. We know he does a ton of service. Um, I, okay, I've been told by someone close to Zach that he really felt like he had to earn the job this year. He didn't feel like it was just his. An entitled brat would say, nah, I'm, I'm QB1. I'm the guy. Like, why? I don't have to work that hard. I'll just be the guy. No, he felt like he had to beat out Baylor Romney and Jaron Hall. Uh, Uncle owns JetBlue. That's true. David Nieleman owns uh, JetBlue. I was about to say true blue uh, and deep blue. Yeah, yeah deep blue. Are, don't forget deep blue. Yeah, yeah. parents are a pain. I wouldn't say that. Are they around? Are they, uh, are they involved heavily? Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Selfish. What evidence do we have that he's selfish? Um, I, I would say he's not. The kid was first offered by Weber State and Festus when he was a freshman, and he told me he was over the moon. Would, it, would a selfish kid be uh, – uh, dismissive of a Weber State. Uh, no, he was ecstatic. He told me he didn't know he had to go to all these quarterback camps and have been doing this for years. He's really earned it. Okay, know it all. What if he does know it all though? Because he's prepared. I like. I'm kind of in that know it all category. I'm annoying that way. I get it. But he he he's prepared, right? Like he he puts in the work, film study to know it all. Does it come off like a punk? Okay, sure. Does he look like a 80s high school villain that's going to steal the lunch money? Maybe. But you know what? You know who else came off like a punk in BYU football history? Jim McMahon and Max Hall. And you know what they're defined by? Winning, passing, efficiency. Awesome. Like, I don't really care whether someone comes off um, like, like a punk, whatever. And then there will always be dissent. These comments are not entirely accurate. And uh, let's say perhaps even a few years ago, let's say they were true. Who's to say they're true now, right? I I think Zach has evolved as a person quite a bit. And as a player, of course, I, he had a tremendous year. um, And, and who's to say he isn't a know-it-all, but he knows it all because he's prepared. I, so I I think when we break this down, we find out that no, listen, it's, it's all good. And when, when did we know the kid was going to be legit, Jason? When he took two BYU cheerleaders to promise freshman year. That's when we knew. Yeah. See, okay, I have so many thoughts on this. I don't even know if we have time for all of the thoughts that I have on this. So you brought up a couple of the things based off of the quote that, that are accurate. Yes, his family is, is well off. His uncle owns... I wish Jeff. my family was. I, I, think, I think there were some, some... This comes across to me 
as somebody making generalizations based off of stereotypes. Well, because this is in his background, he has to be this. And I think Mm. that's a very dangerous thing when you're doing that. To me, this came across as a smear campaign. That's what this came across to me as. And I believe, based off of the response from BYU players, teammates, coaches, media that immediately came to Zach's rescue, I feel like they viewed it that way as well. And, and this is something that happened on the 23rd of December. So this, this happened several days ago. But it, yeah, Merry it, Christmas. Yeah, Come on. But, but this, this has stuck around over the weekend. And then this morning, you had Aaron Roderick, you know, the quarterback coach and the passing game coordinator, come out with, with a couple of tweets. And he said, best quality of, of Zach is zero entitlement, respects teammates, coaches, and opponents, exhibits his respect for the game with a relentless work ethic, never feels like he's arrived, always wants to be coached, never defensive about criticism from coaches, teammates, or fans. And I think it goes on to say, uh, competed for the starting job deep into fall camp. He respected how well uh, Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney played in his absence in 2019. Understood the importance of earning the job, just like everyone else. Embraced competition as an opportunity for our team to improve. And he finished with this, as all QBs have to re-earn the job every week, every day, every rep. He is always prepared. Film study beyond anything I have ever seen in a college player. I could keep going. Hashtag go Cougs. And that was a sentiment that was 100% across the board from everybody that chimed in after that. And I, I think that one thing that really stands out to me, Jerem, this is, this is one NFC director of operations. This, is, this was his comment. It was anonymous, of course. Usually when things are put out there, if there is truth behind him, you will have a lot of other people jumping on to confirm it, to put their spin on it. You're not hearing any of that. This is still the one thing, unless I've missed something, I have not seen anybody else, any other quote or anything come close to saying what that one anonymous NFC guy said. The only thing I have seen is people who would know, look, and my own interaction with Zach Wilson. Look, I've not hung out with Zach Wilson, but I've been around him enough in media situations and talking with him, whether it be on air or off air. I have never gotten that sense. He has always been nothing but gracious. This just seemed to me like it was one person's opinion that was put out there to try and hurt Zach Wilson. That's what it came across to me like. And it's really interesting. We, we get really caught up in the character of BYU. Like we want the people to be good as well as a good athlete. I'm telling you, in the end, don't break the law. Don't break the honor code. Be a nice person, generally speaking. Great. But, uh, hey, win. Throw the ball. Yeah. Run the ball. Like, like win, win game. At BYU, we're very caught up in that part. In the NFL, it's a business. And, yes, they want good character guys. But what they actually want is not bad character. They don't actually care that you have good character. They just don't want bad character. Don't get us in the headlines for the wrong reasons off the field. Zach Wilson's not going to do that. What he's going to do is not only be uh, a not bad person, he'll, he'll be a good person. He'll do service. He'll do all that. And uh, he's going to go out on the field and throw touchdown passes. So it's a business. And who – listen, at the end of the day, this is, is going to uh, rub some people the wrong way. I'm less concerned about how much service you do and how kind you are. Uh, in, in the game of the NFL, I'm talking, 
as I am about whether you throw touchdown passes. Okay. That is, that is the point. And don't break the law. And at BYU, don't break the honor code and, and play well. I know that some people want more than that. But at the end of the day, are you, uh, Tyler Algier had a thousand yards. Are you really thinking about how much service he did off the field? You know what I mean? Like, hopefully he's a nice guy, blah, blah, blah. As long as he continues to play football well and uh, is a generally nice guy, great. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. And joining us now on the Desert First Credit Union hotline via Zoom, our guy, he is Blaine Fowler. Hi, Blaine. Happy Tuesday to you, my friend. Good to see you, man. Did you go to the gym this morning? Because you must have gone really early. Uh, the plan was to get up at 5 and go because I was on Sports Nation. When the alarm went off at 5, I'm like, yep, that's not happening. I'll do it tomorrow. You know what? Jesse Wade would have gone to the gym. That's all I have to say. He would have run to the gym. Yes, it's very true. Yes. Well, thanks for making me feel really bad to start this interview. I appreciate it. Uh, So (laughs) let's start out. (laughs) Let's start out with the conversation that Jeremy and I had based off of the anonymous NFL scout regarding Zach Wilson's character. What do you make of the battle of Zach Wilson's character? First of all, I know Zach Wilson and I've watched what he's done and all he's done is be humble and work hard. And so there's nothing to that. I can tell you from being close to the program and and uh, and talking to Kalani and talking to Aaron about the way he's handled himself, especially about the way he handled this idea and his family handled this idea that the job was going to be open and he would have to compete for it in the summer. Like everything that was said in that anonymous quote is nonsense. Uh, And I can tell you that um, from being close to it. I have a problem with anonymous sources anyhow. If you're not big enough and willing to um, own your comment, then your comment has zero value. It's a bunch of crap is what it is. Yeah, an anonymous source tells me that that comment was garbage. So yeah, that's that's how that works. so I can, I can tell you that, that um, Kalani had a little bit of a conversation with Zach and his folks and, 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 and Zach's dad just trying to understand what was going on. said, hey, the job's open this fall. And Kalani said, absolutely, this will be the best thing for Zach and for this team because if Zach's going to be the leader, we need to have him go earn that leadership um, role with the rest of this with the rest of this team. And so he needs to go earn that job. This team needs to see that he's earning the job. It needs to be obvious to them. And, and this will be great for Zach. Um, and, and in the end, it'll be better for everybody. And Zach's folks went, this is awesome. We support this a hundred percent. This is great. So they were all about supporting the job being up for grabs in the summer and Zach competing for it. Zach embraced that worked unbelievably hard and, you know, we've heard all the stories of what he what he did on his own in the offseason, but what he did with the team uh, during the summer was impressive. And he earned he earned that leadership mantle by competing for that job, never complaining, putting the rest of the team first. And this nonsense about his parents, his parents supported that 100 percent, too. So everything that, that we heard in that anonymous quote is absolute garbage. Blaine, where does Zach Wilson season 
because it was remarkable. And we know it was a top 10 Heisman finalist, put up unbelievable numbers. Where do you think his season compares to other great seasons by BYU quarterbacks? It's so hard to rank them. I, I mean, I, I look and I try to think about single season performances. Um, and, and I think his is most similar to Steve Sarkeesian's senior season. And, and there's a lot of comparisons because during Steve's junior year, I remember us going, man, is, is he going to get this? And at the end of the year, I thought, wait a minute here, light bulb went on. I think he's going to be really good next year. And then, then they go out and they're just phenomenal. Um, that senior season, they end up 14 and one, they end up ranked in the top 10, they end up number five. The thing that I, get, I give Steve the nod a little bit is, is because they beat three ranked teams that year. They beat Texas A&M, who was number 13. They beat Kansas State in the bowl, who was number 14. And they beat Wyoming in that WAC championship game, who was number 20. But if you look at numbers, Sarkeesian was just under 69% um, completion percentage. He threw for just over 4,000 yards. Remember, he had a few more games than Zach to get to that. 33 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Um, but here, here's the other big thing. He – he beat Utah and he beat him handily. And I realized that Zach didn't have that opportunity. Right. But, but the fact that Sark had ranked teams that he beat during that season, that they ended up in the top five in the country and, and that they, they manhandled Utah that year. Um, that, that holds a lot of weight with me. Um, but, but me even saying that Zach's junior season reminds me of that season says a lot, right. Um, that completion percentage of, of almost 74% for Zach um, and, and the touchdown to interception ratio, that 33 to three, that's ridiculous. His numbers were crazy good. And so I'm, I, I put him right up there with any of the great season. I think, the, you know, Ty Detmer in 1990 with his Heisman trophy uh, campaign where, you know, they, they brought down Miami Jim McMahon's junior season uh, it w- was one of the most ridiculous seasons I've ever seen. I'm talking about that 1980 team that went 12 and one and, finished number 12 in the country. His number, he threw for 4,500, almost 4,600 yards that year and had 47 touchdown passes. Is that good? And so yeah, that's a, that's nuts is what that <laughs> is, right? And and so so there's been some incredible single seasons. It's so hard, you know, We I, I'd have to do like a lot of research and compare big wins. I mean, the other, Jim McMahon also beat Utah handily, right? So in fact, Jim beat him 56-6 that year. That, that carries a lot of weight to me, right? Um, and, and so I feel like if Zach had a chance to play the original schedule they had, they would have beaten Utah this year. I really believe that. In fact, I think their schedule would have been – with the old schedule, I think their record would have been very similar. I, I think they win they, – they win. maybe they have one more loss, um, which and it would have been just as impressive, right? Um, so I'm going to put them right up there. And, and, you know, I can pick out – you know, Robbie Bosco's junior year when they go and win a national championship – um, you know, Max Hall, uh, his junior, I think was maybe statistically the best year. Um, his mentor, uh, you know, John Beck, his senior season was remarkable. I mean, all of these are great seasons, but nobody had the touchdown to interception type ratio that Zach had. Nobody had a passing efficiency that like, like Zach had. And so I'm going to put them right up there and say, those seasons are all comparable and the one I feel like it was the most like was Steve Sarkeesian's junior, or senior season. 
Yeah, it, it all depends on what criteria you want to use, right? If you're talking efficiency, Zach Wilson is the most efficient quarterback in BYU history. And the tight end, uh, the touchdown to interception ratio, if you add the 10 rushing touchdowns too, he didn't lose a fumble. So he had 43 touchdowns and three giveaways. Just stupid stuff. But it's, it, it, it's I ridiculous. Want, yeah. And I want to go back to the character thing. So, Blaine, you were in the room with Jim McMahon. Like you were one of the quarterbacks with him. He was a punk and he was brash and he went, you know what, but he prepared well. Right. And to me, that's not a character flaw per se. That is a competitive guy trying to win. And he knows he's good because he prepares well and combines that with skill. I have no problem with that part of the perception of Zach Wilson, because I feel like he prepares well enough combined with skill to own that. Max Hall reminds me of that. Like Max Hall was hated by the Ute fans, mainly because he won and he was a winner. I'm okay with that attitude, even if that's true. How do you feel about it? So to me, character and confidence are two completely different things, right? And, And so Jim McMahon was one of the best teammates I ever had. And if you talk to anybody at Chicago or Philadelphia or Green Bay, they tell you the same thing. In the locker room, with his teammates, he was unbelievable. Opponents thought he was arrogant. You know what? I like a little arrogance in my quarterback. People forget when Max Hall was a sophomore, they were in a game. I can't remember what game it was, but Bronco told this story. It was one where the offense scored, then the defense gave up a touchdown. This went back and forth like four times. And Max walked by Bronco and said, hey, coach, you think the defense might get a stop anytime tonight? This is when he was a sophomore. And Bronco's first, Bronco's first reaction was, he started to step toward him, and his first thought was, you little – and then he went, oh, no, no. You know what? I really like that in Max Hall. I, that, I want my quarterback to be that confident. And Max was an unbelievable winner, right, because he had that confidence. And and I think Zach has confidence. Great. That's exactly – you don't think Patrick Mahomes has confidence? Patrick Mahomes thinks he's unstoppable. Zach Wilson thinks he's unstoppable. That has nothing to do with character. That, that has to do with, I know I'm skilled, I know I've prepared, and I have the attitude that nobody can stop me. If that's a character problem, then I want that character problem on my team. And if you want, you know, as long as that guy is beloved by his teammates and Zach's guys would line up behind him, he's a great teammate, just like Jim McMahon. I have no issues with Zach Wilson. Blaine, great stuff, man. Appreciate the time. Um, as we mentioned at the beginning of the interview, I'll be at the gym at 5 a.m., so I hope to see you then uh, tomorrow. I'll see you 5 a.m. tomorrow. And bring Jesse Wade with you because, you know, Jesse <laughs> Jesse will be done with his workout by 5 a.m., okay? He, it, it's- Jesse, Jesse might be able to run Wine Mountain, but he's not going to pump out buys and tries with you and me. Let's just, you know, he knows that too. That's what I'm saying. All right, Blaine, thanks. Appreciate it. That's Blaine Fowler on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Jeremy, are you going to be back I in time that. where you can meet us at the gym at 5 in the morning? Hey, I would, but I don't want to. Coming up. (laughs) The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. And now joining us on the Desert First Credit Union hotline via Zoom, she is Shaylee Gonzalez. Shaylee, thanks for taking a few minutes. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So, Jerem mentioned the uh, the big win yesterday over San Francisco was your first conference game. You guys are five and one. How does the team feel about the five and one start? 
I mean, we feel great. We have prepared so well for each and every game and um, we come in with lots of energy and are just excited to play. You know, this whole year has been on the edge and we don't know um, if we're going to even play because of COVID because we've had some games canceled and we're just so happy to um, be able to play our first conference game. Shaylee, I feel like you should be in the Valley of the Sun here and I should be back there. It's reversed right now, but it's all good. Uh, it's all good. What, yeah. What's your favorite thing about being from Phoenix? Um, probably just the heat. I mean, coming here, uh, the weather is definitely not like Arizona. Um, I definitely <laughs> love the warmth weather, warm weather, weather. So, yeah, I definitely miss that. Shaylee, how many times have you told people, yeah, but it's a dry heat? um yeah a lot of people think it's humid but it's definitely dry and people think i'm crazy um to think that i love the hot weather that much what's the hottest temperature in phoenix that you can remember probably like 121 (laughs) yeah it gets hot but like i love to swim and i love to tan and lay out so (laughs) yeah listen my mom's not rich, but she has a pool. So, you know, we come to grandma's <laughs> house. There's a pool. It's awesome. It's okay, fun. let's talk about yeah, the fun. start of this team, as, as Jason mentioned. Five and one, specifically you, 20 points per game, 54% shooting uh, from the field, 44 from three, 91% from the free throw line. So I've tweeted this out. We've talked about it a little bit. Elite shooters, 180 combined. Right now you're at 188, which is just sizzling. What's been the key to shooting such a high percentage early? Um, well, last year I sat out because I tore my ACL, so I wasn't able to play. So I really, really worked on my shot a lot. Um, during practice, while the girls were practicing, I'd always be shooting because I knew that my coaches, they wanted me to shoot more. Um, because coming in as a freshman, I didn't shoot as much. My game was a lot of driving to the basket. And so I really wanted to focus on that aspect of my game. Well, and you just touched, Shaylee, on the shooting aspect of it. Where else do you feel like your game overall has developed since your first season? Mm -hmm. Um, I think just bringing more energy, being more aggressive on defense, um, definitely getting more assists to my teammates, um, but also scoring a little bit more than I did my freshman year and stepping up in that area. When you hurt your knee, that was just devastating um, for, of course, you and everybody around the program. We were like, oh, no, that, like you, you were riding such a high, scoring, what, 32 against Stanford in the second round of the NCAA tournament, and then it was yeah. you know, shortly after that. What did you learn in, in the last year that has helped you be a better player and person? Yeah, um, just the injury in general. It gave me like an opportunity to like find and prove to myself that like I couldn't I wouldn't be defined by my circumstances, um, which is my ACL injury and being out for nine months the whole season. Um, so my faith and perseverance was definitely um, tested. And I think I just grew more as a person and individual. And I was able to really watch my team and um, to learn from the sideline. Shaylee, you mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, you mentioned COVID and, and how you guys have had to deal with that a little bit in terms of games. I mean, sports has been affected by it. It will continue to be affected by it, you know, for the foreseeable future and, and until things kind of calm down. And, uh, but you guys have had, 
games that have either been postponed or canceled. So you guys have had to deal with that part of this. Mm-hmm. How have you guys handled that where you're preparing for a game and literally get within hours and then you're not going to play it? And then you think maybe you're going to play it again and then it doesn't happen. How mm-hmm. difficult has that been? How do you guys even prepare for something like that? Yeah, it's very difficult. I mean, we had to do it against Boise State and UVU. Um, We still come prepared. We still go throughout our day thinking, having that mindset that we're going to have a game. Um, Because if we don't, we're not going to be ready and prepared for that game. So we still have shoot around. We still eat breakfast as a team. Um, And just staying together and being in that mindset always, um, I think, will help us. Okay, you get to do one professionally. In reality, you can do both. Uh, you play basketball for a profession or you're a professional TikToker because you have 192,000 followers, six and a half million <laughs> likes right now. UA Sports Nation as a program, let alone the individuals on it, will never actually get to this either. Uh, so you're a big deal. You get to pick one to do professionally. What do you I'd pick? I would definitely choose basketball. <laughs> and I you can do both, right? game. I love it, absolutely. Like, I've been playing basketball since I was eight years old. So I've been doing that the most and I definitely think I'm um, better than that. It makes me happier. So, and being able to play with um, my teammates and other people. So who is the most famous person that has reached out to you because of your social media posts? Oh my goodness. Um, the most famous person. I mean, there's been, a couple NBA players that have reached out to me, um, other TikTokers. Um, ooh, I've never been asked that question, but yeah, those are a couple. <laughs> TikTok's fun too because it can be anybody. You could have said Jeremy. Oh, it would have been good. I'm, I'm nothing. <laughs> I'm nothing. What? One time I was uh, at Sundance taking just the lift up, you know, and, and the two redheaded kids from Mapleton or whatever that are famous. Do you know them, Shayla? They... They're on the yes. other lift, and I'm like, hey, there's the kids from TikTok. Like, I'm freaking out. You know what I mean? Yeah, so that was, that was awesome. really funny. That's funny. Okay, let, let's talk about a massive addition to the team this year. Lauren Gustin, Porter Gustin's uh, younger sister. She has been incredible. She's like this double-double machine. She's like the new Kalani Purcell mm-hmm. from a couple of years ago. What has she added to this group? I mean, she's just a beast. She brings so much energy and fight to our team. Um, I mean, to average a double, double is amazing. Um, I actually played with her one year in high school cause she moved to Arizona. So our junior year, and then we won state together and then she moved back to Utah. Um, so we've had a little bit chemistry, um, from high school and it's just so much fun playing with her again. Um, I love playing with her. She's an awesome player and awesome person. Shaylee, it's always great to talk with you. Congratulations on beginning West Coast Conference play with the win over San Francisco. Good luck against Santa Clara tomorrow. It's a game that uh, people will be able to check out on uh, BYU TV and the BYU TV app at 4 Eastern. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma as, as we uh, inch closer to that game. Shaylee, great stuff as always. Thanks for, uh, for spending a few minutes with us. Thanks for having me. See you guys. All right, that's uh, Shaylee Gonzalez. Joining us via Zoom on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why, we show how. She's so good at basketball, and then her TikTok game is so strong. It's pretty incredible. And the addition of Lauren Gustin, this team, I wonder if they challenged Gonzaga for the league title, but more importantly in Vegas. Uh, By the way, no one's talking about this. This team's in 
on uh, Charlie Cream's bracketology. So this is an NCAA tournament team right now. Hey, so you want to know what's it. just in? I have some breaking baby news, by the way. Oh, snap. Oh, yeah. So, hey, well, that's a tease. Let's do it on the other side. Oh. How about that? And I, and I have no idea. I can't wait. I'm like, the viewer, I'm like what is it? <laughs> it's time for our... New Year's weekend at San Diego edition of Prop Picks brought to you by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Ben Bagley, you have the floor. First one, BYU had five players scoring double digits against Weber State in their last game. How many will do so at San Diego? Let's set the over-under three. Jerem, last time I picked under four, I lost. So I'm picking four. I'm taking the over on this one. Yeah, it was Texas Southern. Uh, I go push three. Yep. Okay. All Next. right, number two, total number of points scored in in the San Diego game. We're going prices right, closest without going over. Ooh, then I'm going 140. I see this being like a 76-64 type game for BYU. Yeah, I went 147 so that I don't go over. <laughs> number three. A 141 there, uh, Last one, more total points and rebounds. The Instapot or the Crockpot? Wait. The crockpot is Trevin Nell, right? The, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Spencer Johnson clearly has accepted Instant Pot. Insta Pot. Oh. We, we have issues with the rights of the name. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So I'm it negotiating. Has, it has to be Insta Pot. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Yeah, I'm going with uh, Trevin Nell <laughs> because flip a coin. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm going with my guy, you Spencer Johnson. He's, you, you, you nicknamed him. Yeah, I nicknamed him. He's accepted it. Let's go. All right, those are the prop picks for our New Year's weekend BYU at San Diego on Saturday. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Uh, is there a chance Kalanis Taki will be replacing multiple assistants in the offseason? Certainly. I mean, there's always a chance, especially when your team is as successful as the BYU football program was this year. I mean, the the name that you see at least speculated and in reports uh, is offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes. I mean, his name was mentioned as a, as a possible head coaching candidate at Utah State. Uh, e- even more recently, his name is, is at least been put out there as a, as a possible uh, offensive coordinator back at LSU, where we know he spent some time prior to coming to BYU. I mean, and, and if Grimes does get another opportunity, I mean, does he take anybody else on the staff with him? Uh, that he's formed a bond with. I mean, Eric Mateos. Yeah, yeah, Eric Mateos is a guy that he brought in. So I mean, there's there's, there's a lot of things, and and this honestly, this is a good thing. Because, and Kalani's even talked about this multiple times. Is that I, I want my assistant coaches to to get the 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 notice and to be in the mix for these jobs because it means that we're doing the right thing. Plus, he also knows that every coach wants the opportunity to further their career and ultimately be a head coach, just like he did. So he wants them to have all of these opportunities. So certainly, after a year like this, um, there absolutely is a chance that, that some of the coaches may not be back because they may get other opportunities because of this season. Yeah, this was too good of a year to keep the entire staff. It really was. I think there will be multiple guys gone. That's not because we don't want them. That's just because they can get paid more elsewhere. We saw this with A.J. Stewart after a 7-6 and six season to Arizona, although 
his job's in jeopardy since Kevin Sublin was fired, but that's the nature of the biz. It's interesting to see those who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and who are not, sometimes it's treated like, uh, and even, frankly, even jobs of BYU, treated like it's a calling, like it's a thing you have for a long time, and then certain people get on scholarly, get a little stale. I'm not talking coaching staff per se. I'm talking even employees, teachers, whatever. We all do it. I, we're, we're two of these people. you got to be aware to keep it fresh, and stay with a sense of urgency, right? And and with the guys that aren't members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Saints, it's a it's a job that they're going to bounce from at some point to hopefully a better one. So if you're Jeff Grimes and you the OC at BYU and you're making what you make, if you can get a Power Five job as an OC, you're going to make better money. You're going to make you know almost a mill, if not a mill, where you're not going to make a mill as the OC at BYU. So I, I wouldn't fault a guy like Jeff Grimes if he gets an opportunity like that. In fact, I'd be shocked if he doesn't get a massive opportunity given the way that Zach Wilson played and the BYU offense. And I w- wouldn't be shocked if if Jeff Grimes left, that Eric Mateos follows. I think BYU needs to be very vigilant to uh, pay its assistance that they really, really want to keep. Um, I would think that uh, all of them have tremendous value, but ones that stick out in particular are Aaron Roderick and Festus Sitake. Like what they did this year – People don't really know this. Festus Sitake is also like the second quarterback's coach. So Aaron Roderick is the quarterback's coach. He's calling the plays with Jeff Grimes. But Festus Sitake is the guy that Zach Wilson talks to first when he comes off the sideline to. Not many people realize this. Fessy is a massive part of the offense, too. He does way more than the average wide receivers coach does. But everyone uh, did well. Elisha Tuiaki, listen. Um, I don't think he's in a position where he's going to bounce to take another job, but he did an amazing job this year. BYU's a top-five scoring defense, which I've been, like, screaming from this Rami Umpton for, like, a, a week and a half now. Um, what BYU did was pretty special um, this year, so be mindful that multiple assistants might get plucked. And I think it's important, Jason, that guys do. I think if you keep the whole coaching staff, that's simply not a good sign. I think you need to have guys bouncing and shuffling in and out. Get some fresh perspective, fresh water. I think it needs to be more like a river than a stale lake, right? Well, and like I said, I mean, this is this means that your program is successful. When other programs see yeah. what you're doing and say, hey, I like what I see from BYU, who's, who's handling that? Who's the one in charge? Oh, oh, maybe we should give this guy a look. I, that's fantastic for BYU. And look, and, and there's a history of this as well. I mean, how many times during Lavelle's career did he have assistants that ultimately went on? Whether they were whether they were coordinators or, you know, just assistants, you know, position coaches that had opportunities. I mean, we know back in the day, Mike Holmgren, guys like that, you know, Andy Reid that had opportunities to to go on. That's what you're in this business to do. It's it's what you're in any business to do is to progress. And if there's opportunities for any of the coaches, you know, Kalani Satake is not going to stand in their way. And this this is this is the profession they've chosen, and they know that this is part of it. I wonder when Bronco, yeah, because Bronco Mendenhall is like coaching tree. I'm talking FBS head coaches. There hasn't been one, right, um, from Bronco off the top of my head. Maybe there has been, and I'm mistaken. But at some point, Kalani Satake is going to have this too where maybe Jeff Grimes has a, a group five head coaching job at some point or something, right? Maybe even power five. Who knows? But I, I'm excited to see where this goes because, yes, this isn't a calling in the church. And no one's raising their hand to sustain you here. This is a job. So you need to perform your job well. And if you do, maybe you get something better somewhere else. Maybe you get a raise here. Or maybe you just move on, right? Um, I, I think it's important to have new ideas and new people occasionally. At the, in any business, any successful business, you need that, right? 
On this, the final day of the year 2020, it's time we look back at the best of this strange, yet for BYU Sports, gratifying 2020. Yeah, it was They've awesome. made the most of it. And we will start by doing the game of the year, Jerem. I can't believe that it's been 10 months in this because, since this happened. because it's been it, 10 years, it actually. It feels way longer. But the game of the year, second-ranked Gonzaga at BYU men's basketball in the Marriott Center, and the Cougars get it done again against the Zags. 91-78, taking down one of the premier programs, a team that was going to become number one had they beaten BYU yet the ultimate senior night. Mark Pope called it the greatest senior night in the history of BYU sports. Which Danny Ainge's senior night, I think, was uh, just a little bit better. But that was, what a fun night, right? This was such a great game. BYU wins this by uh, 13. BYU's ranked 23rd, by the way. And a lot of these great wins for BYU in history, we forget, hey, BYU was pretty good. It wasn't like BYU was just a a big loser coming in. No, BYU was good. Crazy awesome crowd. Uh, You know, the week of this game, I said, hey, this is going to be the closest thing since San Diego State 2011. It absolutely was. And it was really fun. It was really fun. Uh, A lot of nervousness even down the stretch, but uh, big shots by a lot of guys. And uh, game of the year. Okay, others to mention. Men's volleyball at Hawaii Mm. the first night. 1v2, BYU pounds Hawaii, hits 603. That was incredible. Incredible. That's an honorable mention. The second match of that series would have been good too if BYU had won in five sets. Right. BYU got reverse swept, uh, had match point in set three, lost. Um, If BYU had beaten Coastal Carolina, I think that we might have said that that was the game of the year. Like, maybe. If BYU ends up undefeated. Oh, if Dax Mill gets in the end zone on the final play. I think that we would have said that was the game of the year. And then men's basketball against San Diego State on the road. Let's not undervalue that. It it dims a little bit compared to this win against Gonzaga. Certainly the build-up to senior night, the 2v23, the final home game, the season, the culmination, the Gonzaga again, another top five win. No, no doubt. But men's hoops winning at San Diego State was pretty awesome. So there were some great games. And, and most of these are going to be men's sports because – not a lot of the women's sports played. So, like, soccer and volleyball we didn't Canceled. have in the fall. And women's hoops didn't have a great year. And gymnastics was pacing for something cut awesome, short. but it was cut short. So, uh, yeah, that's why. Because when we had this discussion, I go, hey, there's a lot of men's sports here. It's because the women didn't end up getting to play a ton. So, we're going to have two 2021 soccer and volleyball and gymnastics uh, seasons, sort of, right? I guess not gymnastics, but. Okay, so that's game of the year. Moment of the year. Mark Pope's vision becomes a reality when BYU practices storming the court before the season, and then BYU actually does it, (laughs) which is just unbelievable. So this is the practice. This is in October. Midnight madness for BYU basketball. And then BYU actually does it. And this is like two weeks before COVID, so it was good to get that in before we couldn't gather uh, anymore like this. And this moment is just so fun as you see the ball boy just try and track down the ball. But yeah, what, what a moment, what a culmination, what a hopefully safe moment. And it was just so fun. It was just what a rush, what a, what, a, what a piece of gathering joy prior to not being able to do so for a long time. How crazy is it to see a crowd like that based it's on what has now, been going right? on for the past 10 and a half months? It's weird. Nine and look a half at. months, whatever it is. Okay, other, other ones I think of. Uh, images of the empty venues are the moment of the year. Like it defines wow. it, right? Yeah. Wow, COVID, yeah. crazy. Oh my gosh. Like, where is everybody? That first home game where I'm sidelining in the stands at Lavelle Edwards Stadium against you're, Detroit. You're you're literally the only person sidelining. You're not even on the side. You're I'm, standing. I'm, I'm standing, yes, in the stands. 
with 63,000 open seats. Just weird, right? It was so strange. And then I think uh, just because something's negative or inconvenient doesn't mean it should be dismissed. So Dax Milne, a yard short. That's an image of the year. That's a moment of the year because it keeps BYU from being undefeated. I think that's one of them. BYU's first win in Florida ever as a football program. You were at the game, UCF. That's not one of them for me. Oh, really? No. Um, The moment of the year, the celebration, the last time that you see Zach Wilson play, the final snap. That was all awesome, yeah. But to me, Dax being one yard short is the football image of the year, where it was like... Really? There was so much amazing... Again, no, I'm not saying that... It was... uh, it was, It kept BYU from being undefeated. Okay. I mean, I, I can appreciate that. I'm just saying, like, there's not another football moment that trumps that one? Uh, just Zach's face, maybe. I don't know. Mo- moment of the year. There were, so, like, there were so many very good moments that they all get jumbled together. So what's, like, the moment the from moment football? The moment of the year for me? Like, in 10 years, I'll be like, oh, yeah, BYU was one yard short. Like, that was crazy. From being undefeated. That was such a fun, crazy, awesome year. Senior What, night, what trumps it for you? 16 like, degrees... Final 16 degrees meal. is a negative Zach one Wilson me. hands the ball to Isaiah Kafusi. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, that, that, I that was also one of the thought it was fantastic. Of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't like the – yeah. I Listen, when I think 1979, I think, oh, Brenton Johnson missed a field goal. Shoot, that was, they were that close. Like, how good was that year? It was the awesome. moment of the year might have been the moment that BYU announced a game at Coastal Carolina. Like, that set the nation in a frenzy. Yeah. It was, yeah. they're going to go 2,300 miles on – Essentially, moment two of the days year was when the truck showed up and play this game, and then the truck has like this viral moment as everyone's yeah. following the BYU equipment truck across the country. Yeah, again, just because it's negative or uh, whatever doesn't mean it should be dismissed. Yeah, player of the year, the aforementioned Zach Wilson. Oh yeah, what, in the last what three months. So from the Troy game on September twenty sixth to the UCF game on December twenty second, under three months, he goes from. Yeah, capable guy. We think he has an NFL arm. We'll see what he can do. To he now might be the second overall draft pick. Are you kidding me? Yeah, what a year, man. What kind of an do we have an ascension to even compare to that within BYU sports? I don't think so. I think it is unique. He is in and of himself yeah. in just how quickly well, he went from. Well, yeah, he's he might be an NFL guy. He's, but he's, Steve, he, was, he looked kind of yeah. weird last year. He had a lot of turnovers. Three months later, like now ESPN's top analysts are saying he has surpassed Justin Fields pro football and he's going to be the second quarterback drafted behind Trevor Lawrence. We have multiple sources now, not just one, yeah. Uh, Steve Young Sr., he went from 8-4 and four and, and the guy that took over from McMahon who didn't do a ton to second in the Heisman. Yeah, it was crazy. Gabby Garcia-Fernandez was having an all-time season prior to COVID. Uh, Yoli Childs was amazing. Alex Barcella's shooting has been amazing. Shayla Gonzalez's start has been awesome. So, yeah, what a year. Uh, lots of great individuals. Okay, play of the Steele, year. 1,100-plus receiving yards. Yeah. Off the radar guy. Yeah. Tyler Algiers, same idea. Okay, yeah. um, play of the year. TJ Haas, game-winning three against St. Mary's. Yeah. There, there have been some awesome plays this year. This game, that's like a game-winner, uh, rival, still trying to figure out how good BYU is. Massive. Now, this could qualify as a game of the year, Jerem based on what happened and what it meant to BYU yeah. basketball in that moment. Yeah. It's not, not better than Gonzaga, no, but, it, but it it's was certainly them, in the discussion, yeah. right? Oh, totally. Look at the fans behind the hoop just go absolutely nuts. And then the mean mug from TJ. How about that for a <laughs> moment a, of I'm, the year? The TJ mean mug. I'm about to have a kid face. You know that look. <laughs> yeah, uh, and he goes and has his baby. Yeah. 
Well, his wife did, but yeah. His wife, yeah. Uh, other plays of note, uh, this one has context, these other don't. Neil Powell's toe touch, UTSA, Lopini, Katoa's catch. Uh, Davide Gardini behind the head. Mm-hmm. Those are like play of the year noms. They were pretty good. All right, team of the year. Now, this is tough. There haven't been a lot of teams that like finished the season. so No, th- this is tough because BYU men's There's basketball only was so incredible. One? And BYU football was so incredible. But football navigating... Yeah. 12 games and figuring out a way to do that, go 11-1, and one, I think they're going to finish 10 or 11 in the final AP poll and stealing the nation's attention in large part for a majority of the college football season. To me, because they had to traverse COVID, this edges out men's basketball. Well, and they, they get it because the they finished the season. Yeah, they <laughs> right? they're, the only, yeah. they're the only year uh, team that actually got to finish their year. And of course, it was amazing. Like if BYU's ten and two, it's still the best win is BYU men's basketball against Gonzaga. Yeah, but the for best sure. season goes to BYU football. Yeah, BYU football didn't have that opportunity to go up against like a top five team, right? Uh, they had to play who they could play, and uh, they took it. So yeah, team of the year, easy pick, BYU football. Okay, viral moment of the year. Uh, there were a lot of them, right? Uh, BYU uh, doing a lot of viral things. Uh, I think Cosmo dunks from the three point line. This just went berserk on on social. Like, he gets thrown from, like, 24 feet out in dunks against San Francisco mm-hmm. on uh, February 8th. I mean, this was insane. This went everywhere. Fox Sports just tweeted this out as their number three yeah. image of the year. <laughs> That's so dangerous. Like, this could have gone so wrong so easy. But uh, Cosmo's amazing. Not the first time he's done it either. Like, uh, what was it? 16 or, or something. Maybe 20 years earlier. Yeah, he yeah. does this again. This one... <laughs> Obviously, with the social media age in play, right. we'll go viral. Yeah, yeah. The other viral moment of the year for me I'd like to discuss was the mascot poll by Fox College Sports. Well, BYU like three polls, right? Versus Big Red specifically. Yeah, yeah. The idea that BYU fans bought votes and like it was this chaotic bought thing. Votes, nice. But every it had the nation's attention. It had. All of BYU Sports Nation's attention in Western Kentucky. Because and no, nothing, nothing was else. going on. There's no other competition happening so, other than a fan how pathetic was that? poll on Twitter to who has the best <laughs> mascot in all the land. And both of these mascots were not even in the initial poll. Yeah. Fox Sports got feedback from Western Kentucky. BYU like, whoa, you've missed. And so Cosmo and Big Red enter as 16 seeds, and then they make it all the way to and the like, final. Matt Harms is influenced by this. And there was there was another – there was a best basketball fans poll, right, too or something. Um, we love a good Twitter mob after actually being mobbed in Ohio, Missouri, and Illinois in the 1830s and 40s. So that's <laughs> that's the revenge of uh, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Just do it digitally. Last then night, Jake Jared, Oldroyd. Jake Oldroyd. Yeah. Gets the fan vote for the Lou Groza Award because One the, Twitter, the BYU fan Twitter mob takes over last night and gets it done again. If Jake doesn't win the Lou Groza, <laughs> it will not have mattered. But it's oh. fun. Yeah. We know he's number one, right? Hopefully, hopefully he wins. <laughs> not a power five kicker, so they're not going to give it to him, but hopefully he wins. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. We lead into our guest today with this stat of the day. 
It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. It's been 15 years since BYU's had an offensive lineman drafted. Scott Young in 2005. So by the time BYU changes that in 2021, Jeremy, it'll be 16 16. years. What? Since BYU has had an offensive lineman drafted. It's one of the crazier stats that I've come across in uh, recent memory. Joining us now, the man who's going to change all of that, the first First team All-American, according to the Associated Press, for BYU since Luke Staley did it in 2001. His name is Brady Christensen. He joins us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Brady, first and foremost, Happy New Year's Eve. We know you're looking forward to 2021, and congratulations on all your first team honors. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's good to see you guys again. Uh, It's been a crazy ride, but it's been fun just to see, you know. Here's when I knew you were going pro. When you started wearing a hat in pregame warm-ups when you didn't have your helmet. I was like, that guy looks like a professional already. <laughs> I'm a big hat guy, you know. I uh, don't have the best of hair, so I always try to cover up with a hat. Listen, you look like post-BYU <laughs> yeah. player right now, too. You got the curly hair, long going. Uh-huh. You, got the, you got the beard. I mean, you look like you're in uh, post-BYU form already. Yeah, I'm trying to match uh, Corbin Kafusi, you know, trying to match his level. <laughs> of it's not quite there, and I don't know if he'll ever be there, but I'm trying. <laughs> that dude has some serious flow for sure. All right, Brady, uh, obviously BYU fans really excited to hear that you've made the decision to uh, make the jump to the NFL. Walk us through the process of this. How long did it take you to decide? When did you really begin considering all of this? And ultimately, why did you come to that decision? Yeah, it's been a extremely difficult uh decision i mean i love byu more than anything this experience here at byu has been amazing i've loved my teammates the coaches just everything about it has been awesome so it's, it hasn't been easy to decide to leave um but after just talking to my friends and family and coaches as well um i just felt like it was time for me uh to pull the trigger and uh to declare um i think i started really considering it later in the season obviously I didn't want to be distracted from the season and the season was all that mattered but I did start considering it start talking about it and start thinking about it through the process it'd be hard to replicate being the number one graded offensive lineman in America from PFF it'd be hard to replicate first team all-american right so it makes sense to strike while the iron's hot was that a uh, motivating factor in this yeah definitely I mean I, I feel like I had a really good season uh, really good you had like a, an amazing season Brady it was incredible <laughs> appreciate it I felt like I improved uh, a lot in my run blocking and that was kind of a big thing for me in this offseason um, I still obviously have a ton to prove but I felt like I had as good of season as I could have had this year um, considering the circumstances considering COVID and everything so I just felt like the time was right Obviously, you declared yesterday, so it became official as of December 30th. But when did you decide, okay, 100%, I'm going to the NFL? I basically decided 100% on the 29th, so a couple days ago. Um, I was leaning towards leaving for a couple days, uh, a couple weeks, but it wasn't officially decided until the 29th. And that's when I told my family and told the coaches and told everyone close to me that I was uh, deciding to declare. We obviously can see why it makes absolute sense for you to go right now, but in your mind, what are some of the things that would have made that decision a little bit harder and and why you would have wanted to come back to BYU for another season? Yeah, I mean, I've said it a lot that this team was as close as any team I've ever been a part of. Um, It was 
so hard to decide to leave these guys um, behind. Some of my closest friends are on this team. Um, so that alone and the coaching staff is amazing. We had such a special year and I know they'll have a special year next year again. And so to leave that behind was very, very difficult. Um, I love BYU. I'll forever be a BYU Cougar fan. I know I'll be season two holders when, when the time comes, but man, I just loved it here and loved every second of it. A lot of college football teams, obviously everybody had to deal with COVID, but it felt like this team in particular came together in a unique way because of COVID. You're the only team in the West playing. You're playing early. Pac-12, Big Ten bounce out. Schedule blows up. You guys rally. You go to Navy. You say you're going to Coastal Carolina. Like all this. It was so special. Did COVID bring this team more together than it would have been already? 100%. I mean, I just get in chills just thinking about it. I remember fall camp when we had basically no schedule we were just grinding and we were playing physical. The defense was playing physical with us. The offense was playing physical. We were getting in fights. We were loving each other up after practice. We were all that we had for a little while. And we became so close because of COVID. And I always, in my life, I always think about like hard things bring people together. And it was definitely hard. COVID was hard. The stress of every week you're getting tested. What if I have COVID so I can't play? I remember I had one inconclusive test before one of the games, I was like, what if I'm not able to play? And so just all that stress just really brought us together because we, on the team, we were the only ones that knew what we were going through. When you look back on this season, 11 wins, one loss, obviously a dominant victory over UCF as the finale. How will you define the 2020 BYU football season? I think the best, funnest football season I've ever had up to this point. Um, the amount of joy that this football season has brought me has been indescribable. Um, I just think of all the close relationships that uh, I've gained through this year and throughout my four years here. Um, it's been amazing. I, I just like, I'm so grateful for this season. I think that's how I define it. Just gratitude for actually being able to play um, 12 games. It's pretty gnarly to think of all the really good and great BYU football players, Brady, that have played here, but none have been first-team All-American since Luke Staley in 01. Uh, what does that mean to you as a guy who's a, a BYU fan growing up? Yeah, I remember Coach Mateos, he told me that stat, and I was like, that can't be true. Like, no, no way that is true. There's just been so many studs here at BYU, and so the fact that I'm the first one since Luke Staley to be on that specific All-American team, it's uh, really humbling. I mean... I just think of all the greats the past 20 years and growing up watching these greats. It's uh, it's crazy that I'm here in this uh, situation. I never thought, never imagined in a million years that I'd be here uh, talking to you guys and talking about being an All-American. Are you well, even those, old enough to are... remember Luke Staley? <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't even remember watching him play. I mean, I was five. I don't don't remember. Okay, you you just threw in talking to us and being a a first-team All-American in the same breath, which it's very flattering. That is not true, but uh, (laughs) we really appreciate that. Um, Zach Wilson had so much success. Obviously, what he did is amazing. The offensive line's got to play well for that to happen, right? So give us us a sense of what it's like to block on a play uh, for Zach and and then just see that ball come out and then be like, oh, he scored. Sweet. Yeah. I started a couple days, a couple games through the season. I always run down to the end zone and celebrate with the team. But after a while, I was like, I can't do this anymore. So I just turned around <laughs> and, and celebrate with Zach because he had so many bombs that I was like, I can't run down every single time. And I remember, I remember a couple times he'd be like, man, that was a diamond. Just to see his confidence and then watch 
the dime being thrown live and then going to talk to him about it. It was, it was an experience I'll never forget. He's unbelievable season and just so fun to watch. He deserves everything that's coming for him, every success that's coming for him because he's literally one of the hardest workers I've ever seen and just one of the best leaders um, and friends that a guy could ask for. That's hilarious. The big time blindside <laughs> left tackle Brady Christensen with us on BYU ah, Sports Nation. I can't run down every time. Jeez. Declares for the <laughs> NFL as of yesterday. Now the question is, where do you expect to go? Not in terms of the team, because I know that's a definite wild card. Seahawks, let's go. More importantly, when, <laughs> when are you thinking that you're going to hear your name called, Brady? I mean, I obviously I talk a lot about how there's things that you can't control, and I can't control that. So I, I honestly don't know exactly where I'm going to go. My goal for uh, pre-draft prep is just to become – as big as 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 athletic as possible to prepare myself to be as drafted as high as possible. I want to do very good if I get invited to the combine to have very good numbers uh, in all the different aspects to put me in the best position as possible. Was there a team that you grew up rooting for? Yeah, I actually uh, grew up a Titans fan back in the Eddie George Steve McNair days. I had okay. an Eddie George jersey. Wow! Um, so I was, grew up a Titans fan. So, but. Like, like you were saying, you have no idea where you're going to go, so I'd be just thrilled with anyone. Was was there I mean, was there a projection of, okay, you're a first-round possibility or a day-two guy, second or third round that influenced you? Or was it like, listen, the iron's the hottest. If I go in the third, great, whatever, hopefully I'm higher. Is, is that kind of the uh, projection there? Yeah, to be honest, um, my goal was to get as much feedback as possible to make the best decision. So I talked to literally everyone about different scenarios i talked to kalani i talked to coach mateos coach grimes all the different coaches and then my family and friends as well and then i combined all that feedback together and that's kind of how i made my decision obviously there's a lot of different feedback of what you get um but i just tried to make the best decision possible off the feedback i got brady you've been very outspoken about what coach grimes and coach mateos have done for you and your individual progression what exactly did they do to help you develop at byu yeah, they. I was so blessed with the best coaches. I mean, I look at my journey to to get to here to BYU. It's been incredible, and I just feel like it was a perfect situation, perfect storm for me. I mean, I had Coach MP my first year, and then Coach Pugh, and then Coach Grimes, and then Coach Mateos. Um, when I first got here, we watched some film of my my when I redshirted my true freshman year, and it was not very not not the best. <laughs> it was very. I was very raw technically, and so I needed a lot of really good coaching to develop uh, technically. And these guys have helped me um, staying out for practice in the off season, watching film with me, just to help me become the best player I could be. And it's it's a credit to them to really see the development in all of the O line and and me as well. Didn't you weigh like two hundred and thirty pounds at one point? Yeah, so uh, getting recruited out of high school, I said I was 240, but I was that had to been soaking wet and maybe with a five-pound weight in my pocket. So <laughs> I, was, uh, I was very skinny. And then when I got home from a mission, I was about 260, 265. Who recruited you originally? So it was actually Coach 2J. Um, it's crazy because, I mean, I, I wasn't offered from BYU until a week before signing day, and so they brought me down. What? Um, on an official visit and they offered me right then. And then I, I verbally committed right then and there when they offered. 
Brady, let's finish with this. Zach Wilson's had a fantastic year, obviously, but we're all about giving the guys up front a bunch of credit. So how much credit do you deserve as the blindside protector for Zach Wilson and the success of BYU's offense this year? I think it's the whole line. I mean, it was an unbelievable line. We, we even had a lot of adversity. Like last game, James was out, and then Joe got hurt. Connor steps in, a true, a true freshman in that center, leads the show. I mean, Clark got hurt. It, it was just amazing to see the depth of our O-line and the success that we had up front. And it was uh, – I think our O-line did an incredible job, and it was fun to be a part of. I was just one – one, one out of five of, of, of the success we had up front, but because it was uh, it was truly everyone. Brady, great to talk with you, man. Congratulations again on all of your accolades, both individually and uh, as a team. We look forward to the next few months, man. I'm sure you'll be hearing from us a lot. That's <laughs> sweet. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, guys. It's good you, to be on here. You got it. Brady Christensen on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. What a career and what a the stuff we just learned just crazy, you know. Uh, nope, I couldn't run down every time. No, we're scoring too much. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's gonna run <laughs> and they didn't line. offer him until the week of week signing day. Garrett 2J, wow. the week before signing two, day. Two-star, okay, to 230 First pounds. team All-American. I oh, love it, man. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Now is a top 10 edition of the Top 5 Tuesday featuring the top 10 plays of the season presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. Number 10, Mason Wake hurdles and runs over multiple Louisiana Tech defenders for an 18-yard reception to start the second half. This was incredible. Woo! Just jumping over people, just running through people. I mean, this was awesome. This was such a fun play for Mason Lake. That was a really good uh, Chris Berman impersonation. I like that. All right, number nine, exactly. Number nine, Isaiah Kafusi pick six versus Texas State. Isaiah Kafusi picks off Texas State quarterback Brady McBride and gets a 32-yard house call. This was his lone interception and lone touchdown of the season, and no one was stopping him from getting into the end zone. Uh, Isaiah was making his argument, by the way, for a shot at running back uh, in his return. Number eight, Zach Wilson, shovel pass to Mason Lake for an eight-yard touchdown against Houston called Chiefs. The Chiefs oh, actually yeah. tweeted about this. Jason got excited. Worlds are colliding. Yeah, the Mason Lake, what a great play. Um, Mason Lake told me that Zach Wilson was supposed to point at uh, him when he uh, was going to catch it, but he did not in the moment, but that's okay. All right, number seven, Dax Milne opening touchdown at Houston. Dax wasted no time on the road getting the show started with his 78-yard touchdown. Dax pulled this uh, jump ball away, and the rest was history as he was off to the races. Nobody was going to touch him. What better way to start a career night than with a career-long TD? Look at that. Number six, a reverse 36-yard pass touchdown against UCF in the Boca Raton Bowl. Gatoa to Powell, to Wilson, to Rex for the touchdown into the end zone where I was sitting as well. That was an awesome play. All right, number five. How about you mentioned Isaac Rex. Isaac Rex diving touchdown versus San Diego State. The touchdown machine Isaac Rex lays out for this 20-yard touchdown in the snow. Uh, This got Rex into double-digit touchdown receptions on the season, and he was just a freshman. If Isaac's going to keep making catches like this for the next few years, he's going to be an unstoppable force for the opposing defenses. Wait a minute. He already is. 
Number four, Troy Warner interception versus Louisiana Tech. Randy Moss, Warner's first INT as a Cougar, by the way. Three seasons you in got the Moss. and then back. He got Moss. Love it. Troy had one the next game as well. He led the team in with two this year. Number three, the Tyler Algier touchdown at Boise State. Tyler Algier loved his visit to the Blue Turf this year, taking his first touch, 86 yards for the touchdown to get this special night started, and it was certainly a special night. Give the offensive line and the refs some credit, by the way, for the top plays. They cleared the way for Algier to go almost untouched. Even better than that was making it into the Lego video. He was top three and a Lego video. Life is good. For Tyler Algier. Number two, Lopini Katoa's diving catch against UCF in the Boca Raton Bowl for 30 yards. Some people think this is number one. Uh, what a throw and what a layout and catch the Superman from Lopini Katoa. Well done. Yeah, I am in the uh, camp where that would be number one. Nothing against, though, our number one play. Neil Pau, toe tap touchdown versus UTSA. Look, we still don't know how Neil pulled this off, getting his toe inbounds and making this catch. On fourth down, Zach Wilson made something out of nothing by lobbing it up to Powell, who barely kept his foot in bounds for the delayed touchdown call. Wilson put it in the only spot possible for Neil to make the play, and Powell came through, earning the top play for this unforgettable 2020 BYU football season. We have some breaking news. BYU Sports Nation breaking news. BYU junior wide receiver Dax Milne has just declared for the NFL draft. He put out a tweet. In it, he says the following. Jeremy and I will uh, read the entirety of this. Start. My heart is full. The last three years have been a dream come true. The experience I've had playing football for BYU has given me more than I can put into words. It has been such a special place to play the game I love. I would not be here where I am today without BYU Sports Nation. No, my coaches at BYU. I owe them so much and want to sincerely thank Coach Kalani, Coach Fessy, Coach A-Rod, Coach Grimes, and the entire coaching staff for helping me become a better player, for being such great mentors and friends. I want to thank them for believing in me and giving me the opportunity to compete. I also want to thank the administration and team support staff for working so hard so we could play this season. It was a season I'll never forget. And all the fans of Cougar Nation, thank you for your love and support. Best fans in the world. I will forever cherish the memories and relationships I have made with my teammates. Leaving it all out on the field with them will be what I miss most. And most importantly, I want to thank my family for always being there for me through it all. My journey of reaching for the stars continues as I am declaring for the 2021 NFL Draft. I will forever rep the Y and give it everything I have to make Cougar Nation proud. Go Cougs! Signed, Dax Milne. What a, what a story for him, too, to go from literally like the fifth receiver on the team to one of the top receivers in the country. A walk-on, Jerem. A walk-on. Yes. And, he got, and that was for one year. He's been uh, two years as a, uh, a scholarship player. But, like, wow. He, got, he goes from uh, essentially just like, oh, that guy had two good one-handed catches last year, good hands, to 70 catches for uh, 1,188 yards, uh, eight touchdowns, 99 yards per game. I mean, he, he became one of the best receivers in the country. There is a spot for him in the NFL, which is crazy to think about given where he's come from in just a couple of months. So this is very exciting. Again, I said it a couple of days ago, when you have a season like this, there will be an, uh, a mass exodus of talent. And uh, hopefully BYU can replenish it. It won't be the same. It won't. 
But hopefully over time, BYU continues to develop these kind of players. I said it in June for the first time. Dax Milne is the most underappreciated BYU football skill player. He's no longer underappreciated. He's going to the NFL. Yeah, and he didn't serve a mission. Uh, He played three years. So he's like... He's like the same age as these guys, so this makes sense. Like he's probably 21, right? So I think this is a great move. If he came back next year, he doesn't have Brady Christensen protecting Zach Wilson throwing to him. And he I think he doesn't should... have Zach Wilson throwing to him, right? So someone asked me, "Well, is Gunnar Romney going to go pro too?" I no, he didn't have the same kind of year. He had uh, you know 767 yards. He missed some time, right? Missed uh, what two games? If Gunnar Romney had played those two games, perhaps he'd be in a similar situation. But I think this is a good move. And, and the difference between this and some of the NBA guys that we had an issue with declaring early is that they weren't drafted. Um, and then they didn't get a spot. Like, but I get it for Dax. He's not going to have a better season than what he just had. Get out of here, man. Go. He's a peacock. He's got to fly. Well, and here's the thing. Fessy Satake recruited Dax Milne to Weber State. Fessy Satake gets hired as the receivers coach at BYU, and convinces Dax to come to Provo as a walk-on. So we need to yeah. give significant credit. I said it on Satake. what, Tuesday? Pay this man. Holy cow. Pay this man. He's the second quarterback. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. All right, so uh, tomorrow, BYU begins its West Coast Conference season, and we are going to try to project or predict our WCC postseason awards today. We're going to be the, spot on. What are yeah, you talking about? We're looking about? into the future, Conan, all the way into the year 2021. Uh, for our West Coast Conference postseason awards presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. All right, Jeremy, you lead us off. Okay, we mostly agree. Let's go. Coach of the Year, a.k.a. the Mark Few Award. We'll go to Mark, Mark Few. Few. Yeah, we're going to give it to they're Mark the Few. the number one team in the country. I don't think they're going to lose until the tourney. I really don't. I, I, maybe BYU picks them off once. That'd be fun again. You're talking about a team that legitimately could win the national championship this year. So yeah, yeah, they're they've beaten so many good teams. I was hoping they'd play Baylor, but that got canceled due to COVID. So yeah, the Mark Few Award's going to go to Mark Few. Yeah, funny enough. All right, our Player of the Year last year, Philip Petrushev. Uh, Jerem, who do you got? Uh, Corey Kispert. He's leading the league in scoring right now. This is going to be based off of conference stats, but 21 a game. He's shooting 62 percent. By the way, he's having an Alex Barcelo like. Yeah. Season, but on a tough with the tougher schedule. Yeah, I it's gonna be Kispert. I I really wanted to put Alex Barcelo here because I I, I think he absolutely deserves to be in the conversation. That would be and such I think, a homer. Pick. I think he will be in the conversation. I think at the end yeah. of the day, though, Kispert is probably gonna win it because it's Gonzaga and they're gonna have all of the attention and they'll probably get all of the awards too. And they deserve it. If you're the number one team in yes, the country, yes. get out of here. Yeah, you I, I don't want to demean what what they have have done already in what they have the potential to do. I love Gonzaga. I have no vitriol towards Gonzaga. I'm, I'm a Gonzaga basketball fan when they don't play BYU. Absolutely. Who will be the defense player of the year, Jason? This one was probably my most difficult one to come up with, uh, and this may come across as uh, as a homer pick, too. I'm, I'm going to give it to Matt Harms. Why not go with the 7-3 guy, okay? So I'm going to give it to Matt yeah. Harms. Okay, I go Jalen Suggs, the freshman guard from Gonzaga, who's a fi- like a five-star top-ten guy. 2.6 steals a game right now, massive number. He could win on that. 
Uh, he's missed the last two games with a lower leg injury, though, so hopefully he's back soon. All right, and our WCC Newcomer of the Year may sound like a familiar name because he was just mentioned. Jalen yeah, Suggs. Jalen Suggs. Yeah. They, they, like, but like, put this in Sharpie right now. This is happening. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, no one else is going to win this. This is, this is a done deal. He, like, if Suggs returns... He's got a shot to literally win player of the year, defense player of the year, newcomer of the year. Maybe even coach of the year. He could be the coach of the year, Jason. That'd be incredible. All right. All all WCC WCC. team. Yeah. Yes. Okay. There's 10 dudes. The league does 10. They don't do five and five. So here's what we've got. And we came up with this joint. Uh, Corey Kispert, Jalen Suggs, Drew Timmy, Joel Ayayi from Gonzaga. Then Alex Barcelo, BYU, we threw on there. That's a lone coup. Colby Ross and Kessler Pepperdine uh, Edwards from Pepperdine. Eli Scott of LMU, Jamari Bouye of San Francisco, and then Tommy Cousy St. Mary's. There might be multiple St. Mary's guys on there, but right now only Tommy Cousy really feels like a first-team potential guy. Um, so we'll see. I, I'm, and this is guaranteed to have like two or three off yeah. at least. Uh, but it, it's hard to go wrong with like four Gonzaga dudes. We could have put like seven. <laughs> well, and I, and I think, I think really put four. what you just mentioned, there may be some fluctuation on, on a couple, but I think we're pretty solid on at least seven or eight of these picks. I think that's the way yeah, it will ultimately I, play out. I, I'm excited to see how it plays out. And again, people forget this at the end of the year, Jason. Conference play only is what goes into these conference awards. It has nothing to do with non-conference. Literally nothing. They can only base it off of conference play. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Jesse Wade of BYU Basketball literally found a mountain and found inspiration. Rehabbing an injury by climbing Y Mountain, a symbol of his emotional journey as well. Here is Jesse Wade and his deep blue feature presented by America First Credit Union. We're here to help. John 13, 17, it says, If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. What a shot from the corner from Jesse Wade. We've seen him down a bunch of threes in here. Oh, yeah. In life, there's so much. We know what we should be doing. We all have a basic knowledge of work we need to be putting in, where we're at spiritually and where we want to be. We have to do things to be happy. We can't just know what to do. We have to do it. And when we do it, we are happy. I think 5A... State player of the year is a high school kid and the best player in the state. And he goes to, you know, prestigious Gonzaga and things just didn't work out. He came here with Coach Rose and redshirted. And, and then when we got here, just had knee injuries. I know last year was super, super disappointing for him just because he couldn't get his body right yet again. There was a crossing road or a point where, you know, you, you wonder, is this worth it to your body, right? Is this really worth it, all the, all the, the wear and tear and the grind of, of being a college basketball player? Yeah, a lot of people at different points have said, well, it'd be understandable if you just stop playing because of kind of your experience through college and how it's shaped out, but no, I, I wouldn't. So we got... 13 switchbacks, really 14. The first one is the hardest one. It doesn't have a number to it, so I should call it zero. But zero is pretty brutal. See, like right here when you're running up this part, this is where you start feeling it. You've already been going for like a tenth of a mile maybe, but it's just all uphill. This is just where your quads just start burning. And you still got, I mean, we're only halfway up this first switchback. So it's... 
long and it's hard, but good metaphor for life. I started in February once COVID hit and everything kind of got shut down and looking for ways to rehab my knee. My dad recommended, you know, I try hiking, he hikes. But my gosh, this killed me the first time. I think I was up and down. I just walked the first time. I was up and down like in an hour and a half. And I was kind of, I was just dead. I didn't have a lot of muscle in my quad supporting it at the time. So it took a lot longer, but I mean, then I got to where I was making it up and down in about 25 minutes. He doubled down. Like the courage he has to double down and say, no, I'm not relenting. I'm not giving in. I am going to find a way to make this work has been spectacular to watch. I'm so proud of him. He has climbed the Y more than any human being in the history of the world. I'm not totally sure, but I think it's close. I'm so proud of Jesse Wade. He gives everything. He gives so much effort to what he puts his mind to, and he saw the hike as a way to physically recover. But, you know, the conversations we've had, decisions we've made, maybe, and just things like that has just been really fun. In life, oftentimes we find ourselves in dark places, hard times. Like me, eight, nine, ten months ago, I was really struggling physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, just with my journey in life and how life was going. But to be able to work hard, keep it up, and just push through, and then see what's on the other side, I think that's the beauty of life, is that there are struggles, but through struggles we find beauty and joy and happiness. The thing I keep learning about these deep blue features is everyone has their own specific individual trial. Oh, that, yeah, that's the story trick mantra as well. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's got a story. and Everyone's got a challenge to overcome. His wife's name's Jade, by the way. Jade Wade, love it. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.